Hi, this is Michelle Lassley with Balanced Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. On today's podcast, I am so excited to have Kathy Stanley. Kathy and I met at a local women's group, support group um, of, I'll say, I like to say woo practitioners, but some people don't. Uh, Kathy is an artist, she's an educator, she's an energy medicine practitioner, and she's a writer. And she has uh, her grew through learning and teaching about women's spirituality and eco psychology. Um, so I'm so excited that you are joining me today for my podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. I'm delighted to be here with you. I'm so, so thrilled. So we actually uh, had a conversation a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And in that, um, we I think we discovered that we have more alignment with our desires for a sustainable world than initially thought. So I was wondering, would you be willing to chat about like what your vision of a world in balance would look like? Thank you for that. Yes. Well, I teach classes in eco psychology and eco psychology is uh, the study of how our psyches are so connected um, to the earth and how when we are disconnected or disassociated from the earth, we suffer from mental, uh, physical um, problems. And so I see returning to practices that really help us to cultivate that earth connection as being really one of the most important things we can do as individuals to make our to, to make this world a more sustainable place. So I come to sustainability through this effort of trying to assist people in reconnecting with the earth because we will not save what we do not love. Yeah. Yeah. And if we are just embedded in these worlds of smartphones and, you know, we're in this overwhelming technology these days. And um, I just think it's really important when we're talking about sustainability is, you know, many people get overwhelmed and they're worried and this type of thing. But, you know, having a strong connection with the earth and cultivating that inner connection with the earth by being out in nature is one of the best ways that we can support our mental health and our physical health. And it will, having that practice of being in nature to me is really a central part of this coming into sustainability because we've been too disassociated from it for the last, you know, several hundred years. Yes, yes. How did you come to that realization? Well, I started studying uh, deep ecology mm -hmm. um, back in the early 90s. And I started offering uh, writing workshops. I called them Writing the Sacred with Gaia. Mm -hmm. I started doing that back in the late 90s, I want to say. And then when I did my, my master's uh, degree, my graduate degree, 
for my thesis, I knew that I wanted to extend the writing workshops I was doing, and I wanted to uh, create classes in eco-psychology. So for my thesis work, I created a whole curriculum in eco-psychology for a uh, university. And so now I teach uh, eco-psychology classes at the undergraduate level and also for the public. Oh, lovely. Uh, how many, like, do you have like a whole, like a course, like people can get like a certificate from it when you do it for the public or, or what, what do those courses look like? Well, I've just started uh, this year. Um, right now I'm in the middle of a six week class uh -huh. that, I'm, um, that I'm teaching and it's called Earth Shakti Rising Journey to the Ecological Self. And it's a combination of eco-psychology as well as art and some shamanic journey in mm -hmm. uh, and so um that's the first one that i've offered for the public but i will be offering it again um yeah so that, is that an online course it's a it's a fully online course so people would be able to see the next time i'm offering it from yeah. my website at sacredartjourneys.com oh lovely yeah. What do you think is important that people take away from eco-psychology? Like if you had a top four tenets of eco-psychology, what would that be? Maybe the it's first, the first, the absolute first thing is establishing for yourself a practice of spending time in nature, mm. developing relationship with place. So for example, one of the assignments I give my students is that each week they should go out and spend a half at least a half an hour just in one place and take note of you know what changes week by week what do they mm -hmm. notice week by week do some earthing which is you know if if it's not too cold on the ground that you can put your feet on the ground earthing is really healthy um something that we all should be doing connecting physically with the earth and so and and it it inevitably i've taught these classes for the past five years and the feedback i've got from every class from the university i've taught at is that it has become the single most important thing for stress reduction for people um and you know we need to continually remind ourselves to go out and spend time in nature mm -hmm. and i i say to my students to try and establish this practice as like a mindfulness you know meditative contemplative type practice so um it's great to have like everybody go out in nature but if you're out there and having like you're just doing social things you're not going to get the benefit of what it is to actually sink in and develop relationship with one place be it your backyard or a park or mm -hmm. you know somewhere accessible so that i find is that's the single most important thing is to go out there and see what nature has to teach you because we can you know do all of these wonderful things which are necessary like all the activist stuff and so on but there's a lot of burnout that can happen if all you're doing is activism mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, there must be a balance. Um, and that's one of the things that eco-psychology uh, is very interested in is, you know, cultivating this relationship with nature. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So you've mentioned balance a couple times and how, you know, we're out of balance. What would it look like if as an entire world culture, if we were all in balance? What do you think that would look like? <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, I don't profess to know everything, yeah. but I would hope that we would be living in a world that, you know, we could see more social justice so that people aren't uh, suffering, that people are supported, um, and that the earth, that we have a flourishing earth community. Yes. You know, where, um, you know, we're, we're not, um, we're not polluting the earth, where we are, you know, taking this idea of uh, stewardship, you know, of the planet really seriously so that we're not, you know, dumping pollution into the atmosphere or into the rivers or into the soil. So I would, I would hope that one day we can get there. Yes. I would love for it to get a, get there in our lifetimes. That would be, that would be. Yeah. Um, so you do a lot of things to help connect people to the divine. And, you know, one of the first things that struck me was your art. And when I met you, it was around the, the holidays and you had offered up in this group that I mentioned um, some cards for sale and the richness and vibrancy in the colors. And actually we're on a zoom call so I can see behind Kathy's head, there's a painting on the wall. And that was um, one of the, the cards that I bought for um, my mother or my mother-in-law and just this, this, so I don't remember the name you attached to this mm -hmm. woman, but she is regal and it looks like she's kind of wearing a crown and mm -hmm. there is a sun that would be like an, on her crown chakra. And then it's surrounded by two moons mm -hmm. and the colors are golden and blue hues. And it looks like she's got wavy hair and wearing this sort of regal, uh, dress kind of thing. Can you talk about that piece and then how you work your art in? Yes. So that piece, I call her shaman queen. Mm -hmm. And so she has a lot of symbology there. Um, she has on her, on her garment, on one side, there are these triangles, which symbolize mountains. Mm -hmm which are very sacred, of course. And then on the other side of her garment are these uh, spirals, which is, are just symbolizing for me flowing water as well as fire. Mm -hmm. And then she also has um, these paw prints, oh. of, like a sacred animal. And... Um, then also, yes, she's wearing a crown with the uh, with the sun and the moon, and there's also two birds up there. So for me, uh, this that painting, I was uh, studying, doing my um, energy medicine uh, practitioner training, 
And so I was just deeply connecting in with some of the symbols associated with that. So in my shamanic energy medicine path, we uh, connect deeply with the archetypes of the, uh, the snake and the jaguar, the hummingbird and the eagle. Oh. And also with the sun and the moon and fire and water elements, of course. So that's the meaning behind that painting. And it has been one of my people love that one. So, yeah. Well, she's so vibrant. Uh, Thank you. Do you know how you pick the colors? No, I use an intuitive, um, an intuitive painting method. So it, I just follow what is being called for, you know. Yeah. Oh, I love it. The blue I find really, really striking. Um, Cause it, it's to me uh, <clears throat> reminiscent of like what I would think of of space or the galaxy. Yes. And then the contrast with that golden yellow is so just really striking. Mm, thank you, Michelle. Yeah, you're welcome. So you is mentioned that you do um, this this energy work. And I'm always struck by people who do energy work. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you could kind of explain the evolution that led you there. Mm -hmm. for now. Then I think we're going to have to take a break, but I want to continue that. Okay. So yeah, but go, but do the evolution of what got you to energy work first, please. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been on a spiritual path for, you know, many years since the early nineties. And I had done a lot of personal growth work and therapy work, you know, just healing old wounds, inner child work. You know, we all have these things that we come in with that, um, need our attention in our, you know, personal growth journey. And then I got to a point where I realized that there were certain patterns that kept repeating and things that I thought that, oh, I thought I healed that in therapy like a long time ago, but here it is coming back again. And so um, I was recommended by someone to have some energy medicine work uh, and that's what got me on that path because I felt it was so beneficial to me that I wanted to extend it into my own work. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and dive into Kathy's magic. Welcome back. So you, I, last time we had a conversation, you shared with me what it looked like to do your energy work. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share that again. Yes, absolutely. So when someone comes in to see me, and this can be either remotely or in person here in Portland, um, the first thing we do in a session is speak about what's up for the person. Is there something that they want to release? Is there something that they want to bring forward in their lives, you know? And so I work with healing stones. And so I will <clears throat> uh, 
you know, have a conversation and then uh, the person will speak into what it is that they're uh, wanting from the session. And then um, I have them blow that into the stone, into one of the stones. And then if they're here in person or even if they are remotely, the next step is for them to uh, lay down and they start to uh, guide them in a, in a breathing, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. And that's just a way of getting their, um, you know, relaxing into what's going to come in the session. And I invite them to invite their own energy body to be present for this for the healing that's available in the session and then i use um so i might place the stone um on them maybe on their belly area or their heart area um depending on um what is appropriate i use a little pendulum usually to test uh mm -hmm. which chakra because what we're going to do is we're going to clear um the chakra area so that it comes into more balance and i use a rattle and that helps to break up the energy and um so depending on what is up you know sometimes i uh, i'll do a soul retrieval where a part that may have been um separated from the person due to trauma or something that might present itself to come back and um and yeah so it's about clearing the luminous energy field which surrounds the physical body you know some people call it the aura okay great yeah you heard my question and yes because we hold these imprints of different uh experiences or traumas or mm -hmm. you know difficulties that we may have had we can we hold these imprints within the luminous energy field and so that's why sometimes like in my case i felt like i had this thing that kept repeating and it was mm -hmm. something from childhood that you know was ready to be released and so when i saw the energy medicine practitioner that i saw for the first time um it it was a significant healing that happened and it doesn't just the healing isn't like immediate what might happen for people is something becomes dislodged mm. in the energy field so as an example now i i knew that this may happen um but i tried to tell people you may not feel you might feel immediately great after but don't be surprised if you might need to do some further clearing after a session because um, it can take a little time. So when I had my first session from this practice, uh, I spent the whole next day grieving. Wow. Because there was a significant, um, you know, a, a piece of psyche that was returning, but there was grief about what had caused that separation yeah. in the first place. And so the practice of soul retrieval in, in, this, in, in, in this shamanic energy medicine work is where we're, we're bringing back parts that may be separate because of some kind of trauma or so on. 
so you know when they come back it can be um it it's can be blissful but it also there can be a realization of oh my god you know what that poor little child had to go through mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so um yeah that's just to say that you know it it it's not necessarily just all bliss Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because you've had some kind of clearing in your energy field. Some clearing in your energy field can mean that you're not going to feel too great immediately, but something is being cleared out. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I tell people to do after a session is to take uh, sea salt baths. Oh, yeah. Because sea salt is very good for helping us to clear the energy field. So it's different to Epsom salts. Epsom salts are great also, but Epsom salts will bring in magnesium into your body. And what we're doing after an energy medicine session is we're wanting a clearing. And so um, the sea salt helps to detox the luminous energy field. Awesome. So if you've done your ultra marathon, right? Probably yeah. up some salt bath would be the thing because you need to regenerate your energy. Exactly. But if you're de- doing your detox, line it with like a new moon ritual or something like that where you want to clear it out, then do a yes. sea salt bath. Sea salt would be ideal. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Um, I'm curious. Do you have a sensory reaction to energy? I do. Can you describe what that's like for you? Well, sometimes uh, sometimes it's hard for me to articulate what it is, but what I do notice is that, for example, going to a place where, um, say I'm going to a talk, and it's being held in like a big auditorium or something, and you're sitting in rows with people, you know, you're like cramped in. I always tend to want to sit either at the very back where there's space behind me or at the edge of a row where there's space. Yes. So that's, you know, I'm sensitive to that. And when I go into a room, same thing. I just kind of feel, you know, what feels comfortable. Oh, I love that. I'm curious how people like, so we have a mutual friend who attends these groups who can see auras, right? And so she drew a picture for another one of our colleagues and um, where she, she showed what, what the aura looks like. And so I'm fascinated with folks who can literally see these, see the unseen. Uh, and I started to, well, I've always been kind of aware of it, but it really kind of hit me a couple times where I was in a coaching weekend and we were in a, a small group. And to facilitate the conversation, a Reiki practitioner offered Reiki. And I was between the person that I was just, she was here, then it was me. And then it was the person she was offering Reiki to. And when she said she was going to do that, I felt like a whooshing that went through my middle body. And I was like, what the hell is that? And uh, anyway, so I was just curious, like if you could describe, you know, if it was in color or, you know, that. So, so it sounds like it's more, 
Well, a lot of empaths get this when they walk into a room and they can just generally feel the energy of the space. Yeah. Um, so what you were saying definitely aligns with that. And I was wondering if there was anything more specific. Well, I, I don't, I don't see auras, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I more sense things like I'll feel things. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I'm doing a session, I definitely feel when the energy engages, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and so there's light coming in. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel, I feel that through my body. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, one of the things I would love to see happen is if we can all have more conversations on that to help share those stories and, uh, more normalize these things. Right. Yes. So I am curious how you do your art. You said that you do intuitive art Mm -hmm. and, uh, probably how I do art would be similar to that. You know, you get, for me, I get like an image in my head and whatnot, but yours seems more tied to ritual than, than what I do. Um, what, did, what is intuitive art? What do you do for your art? Well, I, I do something called the art of allowing. I'm an art of allowing facilitator. And that is a, it's an intuitive method that helps joy to create joyful connection with the inner feminine essence. And so how I do create my paintings is definitely in ritual. Um, and I guide people in this process where they can create their own, um, bring their own sacred priestess onto the canvas or their, you know, their own um, guide, uh, feminine guide. And it's a very soulful practice. So the way it looks is um, if I'm doing it with someone where I'm guiding them, I'll lead them in a sacred art journey where they will, they will meet a guide. For myself, doing my paintings, I start with creating a, an intention onto the painting. So, um, you know, it, it might be... Um, you know, an intention to connect more deeply with Gaia, you know, the earth, or whatever it is for that particular, for for this painting that you like, the shaman queen, you know, the intention was to connect with that inner shaman self, that, that inner healer um, self. So, so I create the, an intention for it, and, you know, I, I literally write a prayer on the canvas in charcoal. Oh. And I will bless it with holy water or, um, you know, some kind of essential oil. Or uh-huh. I use Palo Santo quite a bit to clear the energy. So it, it's, it's created in this prayerful, sacred um, environment you know and then i follow you know i just follow guidance as to what colors are being called forward and so the first step is to create like a portal or a ground so covering the canvas with paint Mm -hmm. and then starting to see where 
a figure is wanting to emerge, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I do this with people, I have them come for two days to my house and I can do it by Zoom as well for remote um, sessions. So we do two, three hour, three or four hour days. Wow. And then someone will come away with um, a, a painting. I usually use a canvas that's 24 inches uh, wide by 30 inches um, long. What paints do you use? I use acrylic paints. Yeah. Oh, love it. Yeah. Hmm. And it's, you know, these, these paintings that come through, um, it, it's like an aspect of soul, mm -hmm. you know, because the soul likes to speak to us in images. Mm -hmm. And so uh, by doing this as a sacred practice, um, our souls will come through and there will be, you know, there might be messages that come through. And part of this lack of balance, um, it seems like a lot of what you work on is reconnecting people to the divine. So mm -hmm. that there's this disconnect in part because of the tools we choose to use, like all of our electronics, which I love, by the way, but you know, everything in moderation. Too, but we need balance with it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Can't yeah. have our, I noticed my kid, right, when he's got his head in video games for too long his face gets red yeah and like like he's been working out but he hasn't been working out he's been sitting on his bum in right. front of a screen um yeah. so 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 observing a disconnect do you have a sense of when you noticed that that that's like a societal problem well, I think when I started studying deep ecology back in the early 90s, yeah. um, and everything that I have read in eco-psychology and deep ecology and um, the sustainability movement, you know, that yeah. it, it's just apparent that, um, you know, a disconnect from, from the earth is one of our problems. Yeah. As you know, as a as Western civilization, yes. obviously indigenous people, many indigenous people have retained their connection, you know, but um, one other thing I will say about that is, and my teacher in energy medicine begins his classes with saying that in Western civilization and those who come from the religions where the Bible is the, uh, you know, is the sacred text, we, we were kicked out of the garden. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the indigenous people and wisdom keepers who never were never brought up in that idea of being kicked out of a garden of Eden, you know, they've retained their connection to the earth, you know, their wisdom traditions. And yet here it is in Western civilization, you know, we have centuries of this kind of this, this collective thought that, oh, you know, we don't belong here. 
we were kicked out of the garden because we were bad. Yeah. You know, that's the Genesis story. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's long past time for us to get beyond that. Right. <laughs> In my view. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier this week. Uh, for some reason, um, the, the, you know, I grew up Catholic. And so the Genesis story is very much a part of all of my, you know, Christian upbringing and whatnot. And I feel like my mom even had some sort of like, on so the, the way our house was constructed, we had to walk through my parents' bedroom to get to the bathroom. And because uh, it was like an old parlor room that was re rebranded as a bedroom at some some way down the road. And so I'd walk by her jewelry box and she had a picture of Adam and Eve. And that image popped in my head a couple days ago. And I was just thinking about that, right? So, so Eve ate the apple and right. then the awareness of nakedness became yeah. a thing. And then it was that shame associated with that awareness. Right. So before the apple, we were, Eve and Adam were wandering around the garden, oblivious to their nakedness and totally enjoying their bodies. And I was right. thinking of that in conjunction with like, on one hand, you're told the your body is a temple and you need to treat it that way. But then on the other hand, with these religions and things, I love this. So you're pointing out, we're kicked out of the garden. And so what did we interpret? We've added, um, I want to say prudishness, you know, yeah. and overzealous modesty, perhaps. Right. Yep. Yep. It, it's, a, it's a pervasive, you know, um, thought form that has, <laughs> you know, that has been present in, you know, Christianity and so mm -hmm. on for, for a long time. And so I really see us in you know in in our times now there's so much awareness about that mm -hmm. you know that we really need to um see that that was a story but we don't have to buy into that story of being kicked out of the garden and not belonging right and being shamed right it, you know let's let's create a new story of mm -hmm. our collective belonging and our you know, collective right to have, you know, our bodies be sacred mm -hmm. and have our connection to the divine be inherent within all of us as it is, mm. you know. Oh, I love that. So we're about out of time, the time that we agreed to spend together. Um, do you have any last parting bits of wisdom you'd like to share? Well, I I um, I love to encourage people to spend more time in nature because I think that when we individually get our relationship with Gaia, the great goddess Pachamama Earth, uh, when we get our relationship with her right within ourselves, she will guide us each to what our part uh, to play is in this whole effort towards becoming a sustainable world, more in balance, flourishing for ourselves and our children's children. So, um, you know, I think that spending time in nature and really deeply cultivating that inner relationship helps us to uh, thrive and develop resilience and gives us strength. Oh, I love that. 
So if people want to get in touch with your magic, where can they find you? Um, my website is sacredartjourneys.com and you can reach me there. And I also have a guided uh, meditation as a free gift, which helps to connect you uh, with your universal self. Oh, nice. So they just go yes. to your website and then they can sign up for that gift. Right. Awesome. And then you're on Instagram too, right? Yes. K Stanley art on Instagram. Uh, K A Y S T A N L E Y. No, just on, on Instagram. It's just the letter K oh. and Stanley art. Great. Glad yes. I asked. Yeah. Cause I have it written down wrong. <laughs> Perfect. So K Stanley art or sacredjourneys.com. And right. then you'll have your, any upcoming classes, like you're finishing up. So your classes aren't evergreen. They happen in chunks live at the time, and then you'll open them up again. Correct. Right. And occasionally I do workshops here in Portland as well. So anything awesome. I have going on will we'll be, on the, be um, on the website. And I also do the private sessions. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your beautiful energy with us today. I am so glad that we were able to have this recorded conversation. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's been so wonderful talking to you. Balance Shared is produced and edited by me, Michelle Lassley. The instrumental music, Grass by Silent Partner, is from the YouTube Audio Library. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you've loved the messages of co-creating a better future and digging into ourselves, maybe you'd like to become a supporter. Email hello at michellelastly.com to get your sponsorship guide. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This is Michelle Lastly with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together.